Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. Um, just wanted to share this as the worship team was singing, and our worship team also. So good. I'm always, Amber does an incredible job, and the whole team is just amazing. That last song... Uh, They were singing, it says, uh, everyone was singing it. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you, O Lord. I will not be shaken. As you mature in God, um, what you'll notice is the emotions sometimes change um, around him. And as you mature, what he really wants is the choice to say, I will build my life upon this rock. Uh, The Christian life is not always blissful and emotion. It's not always perfect, but what God is looking for is people who will say, it doesn't matter the circumstance. I'm going to build my life upon the rock of Jesus. Amen. So when you don't feel like singing a song like that, when you don't feel like worshiping like that, it's telling your soul, King David did this all throughout Psalms. It's telling your soul that I'm going to do this. And I just felt like sharing that first. It's just, we will be a people that build our life upon the rock will be a people that will not be shaken. And circumstances don't dictate dictate that. He does. Amen? Awesome. Well, um, I'm going to talk tonight about favor. I'm going to jump right in because at the end we're going to do some prophetic stuff. I'm going to talk tonight about favor and the favor of God. Um, this subject is, is very dear to me. My whole life, my, my parents are awesome. and They did a lot of great things. And one of the things they did that was so awesome is they prayed over me every single night. And every night, um, I I couldn't go to sleep without them praying over me first. It was kind of like just a ritual. And uh, they pray many awesome things. But something that they would always pray every night without fail is that I would have favor, that God would give me favor with teachers, coaches, coworkers, whoever I would come in contact with. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I didn't know that that was important. I could feel something when my parents would pray that over me. And so fast forward to today, I do that now with my kids. I have four daughters that are seven and younger, and every single night we pray over them. Now, if you have kids, you know how this goes. I set out to, like, read the Bible over them every night and pray over them every night. Um, It doesn't work that way, um, to say the least. Um, if, If they fall asleep and we get 15 minutes before we fall asleep, that's success. We have a big house and our children sleep literally they sleep outside of our bedroom door i'm not like we lived in yeah it's 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 just shocking they all have their own bedroom but they sleep right there the ac kind of drafts out from under it and bell my four-year-old she literally like scrunches up against it and she can feel the wind coming under and hitting her face and that's how she likes to sleep which means she can hear everything so, um, but anyway, Stacy does an amazing job of praying over them every night. She goes through, prays for their husbands. That's the number one prayer, but I'm not going to do all this work and some idiot comes and screws it all up, you know. <laughs> I have four daughters. I can say that. Um, I tell the crochets all the time, you can never come to my house. They have all boys and the Brumfields. Um, no, um, yeah, Stacy does an amazing job of praying over them, but at the very least, in the middle of my exhaustion and our routine, 
I always pray that they would have favor. Even if it says I'm walking over them to my bed, I just always put my hand on their head and I just pray that they would have favor. So what is this thing of favor? In the new covenant, the word grace is translated to unmerited favor. Favor is when God would actually shift a circumstance or shift a situation or alter something to work on your behalf. It is literally as though God is picking a favorite, which there's nothing as beautiful as the favor of God when it works out for you. But, but as you know, how many of you know those people, there's just there's certain people that are just amazing at certain things, and you're just like, they didn't work for that, or like, how are they so good at that? You want to know what I'm talking about? That feeling, that's the favor of God. That's the favor of God working on their behalf. Now, the funny thing about favor is that this is a Christian circles don't really like this, but um, God loves everyone the same, but not everybody has the same amount of favor. And you're given a certain portion of favor to start with for your assignment. Your favor is for what God has you to do in your life. Now, you can grow in favor as we're about to cover but everyone has a different measure of favor, and there's ways of growing in favor. And I'm going to base this off of Luke verse, chapter 2, verse 52. This is a very well-known verse, as many of you know. So, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is Jesus. He was perfect, sinless. Yet he needed to grow in favor with God and man. I don't, I can't fully comprehend that. But what I can comprehend is that we really need to do that. If Jesus modeled that we should grow in favor with God and man, then we really need to grow in favor with God and man. And I've titled this message, The Responsibility of Favor. All right, I'm going to pray. God, I pray that um, tonight you just shift how we think. And you help us be a people who can actually carry the weight of your favor and carry the, the, the presence and the grace that comes along with that. I pray that our hearts would be shifted, that you would encounter us tonight in a special way. I do pray that I win the Cedar House Fantasy Football League so that everyone would know that I have favor and get Drew Brees in, the, in a late-round draft pick. Amen. Uh, now, so uh, how many of you enjoy flying? Anybody? Some of you enjoy that? All right. Well, I, I'm not the most, I haven't really enjoyed flying my whole life. Uh, I'm 6'4", 230 pounds, not in a position where I can fly first class. So I'm with the normal people, uh, which means I'm like King Kong on like a, like the Mario Kart thing. That's how I look. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like drenched over in the airplane seat. So I'm always trying to find an aisle always trying to get an upgrade, but I've just had interesting experiences on airplanes. And recently, uh, me and Stacy and all four of our daughters, which is seven, four, two, and newborn, uh, flew to Seattle. Very long uh, flight time. So we, we kind of mastered this. We figured it out. It was Stacy with the, the, and the baby and two next to her, and I was behind her. It was me, Penny, my two-year-old, and a very old, sweet woman. You know, you're really thankful when you sit next to someone awesome on an airplane. She was awesome. She was so perfect. I was so thankful. Like, it wasn't a businessman that was, like, frustrated, you know. 
Um, and we, we strategize that. So when Penny's like hitting the seat in front of her, it was Belle's seat, which she's totally used to it. So it's not like a person like turning around, like, and they're looking at me and I'm like, so we have like a, we try to eat healthy. We try to do things healthy and we pretty, um, stringent about what we let our kids watch and what they put in their body and things like that. Well, on an airplane, you just throw all of that out and it's just sheer survival. It's like, if they don't hurt anything, we're going to be successful. Young parents know what I'm talking about. So we're basically just loading sugar into our children to just keep them pacified, and so they fall asleep. So Penny's next to me, and I'm not near as talented as my wife at taking care of the kids, so I'm just, like, giving her Twizzlers and stuff that is not actually food. You know, the stuff that's like doesn't actually come from a, a base or source of food, like an airhead which is literally just a bunch of sugar put together. And uh, I'm just giving that to her. So she's got her iPad out. Like, you can watch a show for five hours if you want, you know, whatever. So she she falls asleep. There's like two hours left on the plane ride. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. She she falls asleep. You know, a two-year-old falls asleep. She falls asleep watching her iPad. So her whole body is just like completely crunched over, you know. So she's sleeping and the woman next to her is sleeping. So I get completely settled. I get, I'm about to watch a show. It's going to be awesome to the whole thing. About 10 minutes into her sleep, this is a 100% true story, she throws up everywhere. Here's the funny thing. It was one of those throws where you're like, how did all of that come out of this little human's body? You know, like the kind that's like kind of hot? All that everywhere. Okay, it got all over me. Somehow the Lord blessed us, and it did not get on the woman sleeping. I literally have no idea. Well, I don't have a change of clothes. We have like scraps of clothing all the time with us for kids, you know. And so she's still sleeping as she throws up. But now people are smelling it. You can always tell if a stewardess has kids or grandkids by how they respond to like that moment of a kid pooping or throwing up on the airplane, you know. So I had to clean her up. And it was just this huge process, just throw up all over my shirt and just... The whole thing with no change of clothes. Okay, that has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted some sympathy from you guys. Of uh, That is a true story. No, I'm just kidding. But I don't like, I've, I've had those kind of situations on, on in airplanes. But I've kind of like airports. Something about an airport feels like it's people are going somewhere. Something's adjusting. People are traveling. It's kind of a fun scenario. So there was one time, it was seven years ago. We were, um, Stacy and I lived in the Northwest for a while, and we were, we'd fly back to Baton Rouge periodically, and we're flying back to Baton Rouge, and we're with her parents and her grandparents, and uh, so we have a two-hour layover in Denver, and so once you have that kind of layover, Hope was one years old, our oldest, and so she's kind of playing around, you know, you're just kind of there waiting for your plane to go, right? And I see this man across the way, and he, he, he looks at me, and he kind of locks eyes with me in a certain way that I'd kind of seen before with different circumstances in life. And I, he just kept kind of doing it. And we kind of joked with Stacy, like, this guy's going to come talk to me. Now, let me. Let me pause the story. So Stacy and I have had some, some interesting moments throughout our life where people would just walk up to us in like a grocery store or at, at a conference. Someone would call us out and just say things like, y'all have the favor of God on your life. Um, over and over, I, people would just write very random situations I'd be in, and someone would say, I can just feel the, the favor of God on your life. And I'm like, you talking to me? Like, like is, this, is this real? You know, I, I don't feel that. You know, there was 
This one time I was 26 years old, I was um, invited to this Korean healing conference about an hour outside of Seattle and uh, complete, could, we needed a translator, the whole thing. And I was there and uh, at one of the breaks, it's like 10 a.m. And uh, maybe maybe 100 people in the conference and it was about 15 kind of smaller Korean women that just kind of started kind of gathering around me. Some of them were like speaking in tongues and others were just kind of like enjoying just kind of standing close to me. And I'm thinking, this is really, it's just like a ritual. It's just part of what they do. And my buddy, who was a translator who had invited me, said, he said, they're saying they can feel the presence of God on you. And I'm thinking, I don't feel the presence of God on me. I just really want some coffee. And why would God, how could they feel the presence of God on me, you know? So I've had these moments where people would engage with me like this. And that guy's giving me that kind of look. And so... I'm sitting there thinking, how is Stacy going to explain to her grandparents? It's normal. Strangers walk up to Landon and start talking to him, you know. They're going to be like these charismatic, kooky Christians, you know. So the guy comes over to him. We start talking, and he, he, he says to me, he says, there's something different about you. Very blunt. There's something different about you. And, I, and he just, he's kind of telling me about his business and everything that he's done. And I just kind of boldly said, hey, I said uh, well, look, I'm a pastor. And I, I said, I think what you feel is the presence of God. And now there's a couple different things If those of you who have been in ministry get this. When you tell someone you're a pastor, it either is like really awkward or really good. Have you ever done that? Like, oh, I work at a church. Like, okay, next conversation. Like, um, it went good. And, and so he, he kind of started telling me some of his life and some of his heartaches that he had. And we ended up, we, we prayed together and I just told him that I'd be, I'd be praying for him. It's kind of a really cool moment, you know. Um, again, one of those moments where I just felt like, it's so interesting how God just really wants me to know that he's given his children favor. So that same, we're sitting there and this young couple overheard this conversation. And she said, hey, I couldn't help but overhear the conversation. She said, we, we work at IHOP. IHOP's a 24-hour prayer ministry, big church in Kansas City. Uh, not, the, not the pancake shop. Uh, and uh, they, they had been heavily involved there and could definitely tell us a Christian. And so we just had good dialogue, definitely connected, traded numbers. We actually ended up going on a missions trip with them, which is totally like this divine connection. And she says, um, hey, before you would, you know, it's time to go. And she said, before you go, I just want to let you know. She said, hopefully this blesses you. Um, I had a dream last night. And in the dream, God said that I, we would meet somebody who had God's favor on his life. And she said, I think that's for you, and God wants you to know that. Okay. Now, there's a couple things responding to that kind of thing. Literally, my first thought is, I don't feel that. I, I've, my life has been filled with opposition. Circumstances don't always go my way. I don't have the perfect relationships. I don't have everything in order. I'm emotionally not 100% there. You know, like... That type of mindset is what just came to me. And I'm just like, I just don't understand that, God. And then the other side of my mindset, being young and in my journey, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of the man. Like people keep telling me I have favor. I'm like, I don't know what God's favor looks like, but I don't know. Strangers keep telling me I have it. So I'm just like, somehow I've got favor. I don't know what it means. But um, in in that journey um, and just kind of figuring out, okay, God, what are you trying to say to me? about favor. Um, I feel like God spoke to me. Now, just to be honest with you, that's, that's not saying God speaks to me on, an, on a 
overwhelmingly common basis, like in my spirit, I felt like he communicated with me and said, you're not ready for, you're not ready for that level of responsibility yet. And God began to speak to me and show me in his word how favor and responsibility are linked. See, God's looking to release his favor and anointing on people that can carry the responsibility to fulfill the assignment that he's given for us. Amen? And the other thing in that process that God was showing me is that you'll know that you have fully grasped my favor when it makes you humble. See, I've, um, when I was young and I'd hear that, it would I'd kind of be like, hey, I'm, this is pretty awesome. I'm, I'm kind of awesome. But the truth is, is that favor brings you into a humble position. See, thankfulness puts um, attention in the right place. And when you get something you don't deserve, if you're not behaving like an orphan, it should shift you into being thankful. See, Jesus modeled this. In order to be great in the kingdom, you go low. And so humility in the kingdom makes you great. But in the process of becoming humble, you don't even care to be great. You with me? And so humility serves. See, there's, I love this quote. It's, favor opens the door, but humility keeps you in the room. Favor opens the door, but humility keeps you in the room. And I love that. See, God, the reason why God gives us favor is for everyone else around us. See, the truth is, is the favor on my life or the favor on your life is because he loves everyone around you. Guys, if you can get that, the superstar mentality or the one guy who's like in charge, that whole thing, if you can understand that God's favor is for the community around you, it'll shift your whole mindset about this. It becomes very easy to celebrate people. If if Dave's got favor in a certain area of his life, I'm like, man, God really loves me. Did you get that? So favor serves and it serves everyone around you. The purpose of God giving you favor is because he loves the people around you. God is in us, he is in us as a river, not as a lake. He wants to flow through us. He wants to flow favor through us not get dammed up like a lake. Are you with me? Okay. There's two biblical stories I want to go through to, I think, really depict the favor of God. They're bizarre, and I'm going to hit them from potentially an angle that we haven't discussed about, at least at Cedar House, that I think is going to be pretty eye-opening. Two stories where two people went through a lot because they had favor. Remember, we're talking about the responsibility of favor. Okay, Mary, the mother of Jesus. How many of you are excited to meet Mary when we get to heaven? She's just a figure that I'm like, gosh, she must have been like the greatest human being ever. So Mary's roughly 12 to 15 years old. And um, an angel shows up to her. And it freaks her out. And the angel says, don't be afraid, for you found favor with God. We put that into our language. I'm here, Mary, because you have favor. God had to choose one person in history to birth his son Jesus through, and he chose this girl. Now, how a 12-year-old girl has found favor with God, I don't know. I don't know. She was just 
it just it is what it is it, the, it's it's un, it's grace it's unmerited favor so the angel says you're going to birth Jesus he's going to be the savior of the world what an incredible moment to have favor with god can you imagine just the overwhelming how amazing that would be and the first thing she has to deal with because of this favor is her husband wants to leave her so immediately the first thing that happens because of her favor is her here's her close circle had conflict so i want I want you to hear that when you when god promotes you or chooses to favor you in a situation it will attract conflict to the people around you i'm i'm telling you this is 100% correct when god chooses to bless you in an area it will cause conflict and attract opposition someone say amen okay second things that happens So Joseph wants to leave her. He's like, "Well, I'm not I'm not going to stick around for this. Obviously, she's lying." Okay, so God sends another angel. And God sends another angel and says, "Hey, she's not lying. I don't want you to leave her." All right. Let's break this down a little bit. Mary, because of God's favor, had conflict with the people close to her, would be noticeably pregnant and be the mother of an illegitimate child for her whole life. How many of you don't want favor now? The the amount of opposition that she faced immediately because of what God called favor on her life. Okay. I want to the the second thing being called the mother of an illegitimate child and if her husband would have left her would have been she'd have a tarnished repu, tarnished reputation. We'll talk about reputation for a second. We try really hard to protect our reputation at certain times. And we get shifty to make sure that people view us in a really healthy way. Let God be your protector. God will be the one that covers you. God will be the one that gives you the reputation you need. I'm not talking, don't go do crazy things and expect God to cover you. I'm, please be a person of high character. But within that, God will cover you and God's reputation will be there for you. So what happened once it caused turmoil in the people around her? She could have went around trying to fix every problem, but she trusted God and God met Joseph and told Joseph the situation. She trusted that God would follow through what he said he would do. Are you with me? Favor put her reputation on the line and it caused conflict. I'm going to release favor who doesn't want that. Um Mary had such a place of favor with God that the first miracle that took place in the life of Jesus was actually out of the time frame that was planned. Let me let me explain. The Father and Jesus were so in line with one another. Jesus said I can only do what the Father tells me to do. He did nothing outside of the Father. And they're at a party and they ran out of wine. Mary walks up to Jesus and says, "Hey, they're out of wine." And he says, "Yeah, but it's just not time." and Mary turns to the servants and says just do what he tells you to do shows you the power of a woman number 1 they're like yes ma'am okay um but something changed in this interaction 
all of a sudden, Mary had to shift the heart of the Father and to tell Jesus, hey, make the wine. Mary found a place with God and carried God's favor to a place where she shifted history of when Jesus' first miracle was. Isn't that amazing? Or Mary could have just really wanted wine that night. She could have been going through a really bad situation or something. I don't know. Totally kidding. When we meet Mary, she's going to be like, that was a terrible joke. I'll say that. It's awful. Uh, but are you with me? Favor attracted conflict. Favor, favor had turmoil for the people close to her. I mean, just think about this story. Jesus comes. I have one more Old Testament story in a second. But Jesus is from Nazareth. He's going around healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying food all that stuff. He comes back home to Nazareth and he wants to do all that. He wants to heal the sick. He wants to keep doing the stuff. He wants to show everybody the love of the father and they love it. And they're like, wow, they marveled at it. And then someone says out loud, Hey, where did he get these things from? And all of a sudden unbelief filled the crowd and it said, Jesus could only do several miracles. You got, you got to get that. Jesus is operating like Jesus. And someone steps up and says, where did he get these things from? It doesn't matter where he got it from. God put favor on his life to do those things. And it's our job to honor that. See, if, if, you, if, we, if we don't value when God puts favor on someone's life, we'll miss it. That makes sense? That's such a big deal. Jesus was ready to be Jesus. And people who knew him were like, wait a second, he doesn't deserve this. We know this guy. Where do you get this from? I, I just, I think that's amazing. It, it caused conflict with the people close to him. So you and I as community, as this community grows, there's going to be people that God highlights. And it's important that we learn how to honor that. Okay, I'm going to move on. Um, Joseph. King Joseph. How many of you love King Joseph? How many of you love the Bible? I love this book so much. I love every word in this book. Just so thankful for the Bible. Um, Joseph, this bizarre story. Jophus. 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 Joseph, 17 years old. I'm paraphrasing here. He's got 11 brothers, and he has this dream. And he has a dream basically where his brothers are bowing down to him and he's standing up tall. And then his brothers, they all interpret it as like, so we're going to worship you one day. And it caused jealousy amongst them. A couple days later, however long later, the Bible doesn't say, he has another dream. And in this dream, 11 stars, the moon and the sun are bowing down at Joseph. And his brothers are like, is our family going to bow down to you one day? And they did not like this, full of jealousy, and they sold him into slavery. So note one, be careful who you share your dreams with. You need to find people around you who will celebrate what's on your life. I don't think anyone would sell you into slavery nowadays. But they may be jealous. But again, favors for them anyway, so that never should happen. Okay, so 
they, he gets sold off into slavery, ends up being in the palace. Now he's in the palace, and he's got favor. And because of his favor, the king's wife wants to sleep with him. And Joseph was a high-character man and said, I'm not going to do that. And because of how embarrassed she was, she set him up, lied about it, and had him put in prison. And the plan was for him to never get out. And the Bible says that he had, God gave him favor with the prison warden, and he began running the prison, and everything he touched worked. And he eventually interpreted the king's dream, came out, and became the most powerful man in the nation. So just think about that. God began to show Joseph at a young age that he would be in a powerful position and he'd have favor on his life. And think about the amount of conflict that he had to go through. Okay, who wants favor? (laughs) All I'm trying to get at is I love the open door and I love when God shifts things for us. But God's pruning something in us as a people that can withstand the weight of ultimate favor. When Mary became who she was, when Joseph became who she was, they had gone through this process of learning the responsibility of favor. And God's looking for people he can put his favor on. Okay, so if we're going to grow in favor, how do you get more favor? Okay, number one, hang out with God. You become what you behold. And when you worship with God and you hang out with God, more favor gets around you. It's pretty simple. He's looking for people he can give his favor to. Now, there's two sides of favor. Part One part is that it's free. It's unmerited grace. There's nothing you can do about it. He just picks people and they've got favor. But you can grow in favor. Jesus modeled this. He hung out with the Father often. So hanging out with the Father will increase your favor. Now, this is what happens when you spend God, spend time with God in a quiet place. You're asking for favor, but it shifts from being selfish to selfless. It's a Solomon-type prayer. God, I I need to know. I I have to have your favor to lead these people like you've asked me to. God, you've put me in this position in this business, or you've put me in this position in this nonprofit, and I, I don't know what to do, and I'm asking for your favor. You get that shift of heart. It's about other people. Spending time with God will shift your heart for you to want to serve other people. The second one is to honor other people. It is biblical evidence over and over and over. Jesus mentions it uh, two different times of when you honor someone, what they carry gets on your life. So honoring someone for what they have allows that, gives you access for that grace to be on your life. I know it's, uh, this is, um, entrepreneurs have figured this out. They'll say, um, hang out with the five people that you want to be around. The, the five people you want to be like, hang around them. That's a na- that's natural evidence of honoring someone, and that gets on you. Finding a mentor is honoring someone, and that gets on you. Amen? Um, okay, and then last one, and then we'll close, is to gain more favor, is to steward where you are. All right, I, this is something I just really want to hit pretty hard. Stewardship in the kingdom gets you more, okay? Doing nothing with what you've been given, biblically, gets taken from you. I want, I want you to get this. Nothing, we talk about rest a lot. We're living in a posture of rest, and I'm never negating rest. 
what I'm trying to get us to understand is favor. In order to obtain the responsibility of favor, you have to have work ethic. Okay. In the kingdom of God, the further you go, the more people need you, not less. So that's going to require more of you, not less. God is looking for people he can build things upon that will take the responsibility and that their laziness does not exist in the kingdom. Rest exists and vacation can exist. I'm not talking about running yourself in the ground. I'm talking about stewarding and working hard at the things that God has put in front of you. Can I get an amen? I'm just going to say this one more time. In the kingdom... Living in rest doesn't mean doing nothing. All right. I'm going to close. God has given each and every one of us a unique portion of favor. And that favor is to serve everyone around you. But that favor comes with responsibility. And if you can shift your prayer life into, God, I want more favor so I can serve the people around you, it will always set you up for success. Can I get an amen? Awesome. Um, Josh and Stacy, y'all can come on up. We're going to give some prophetic words. Everybody good with that? Um, giving a prophetic word actually carries grace on it. Paul said all prophecy edifies. There is favor that is released when you're edifying someone else. So prophesying to someone is giving them, is revealing God's heart to them. And it's saying God has favor for you in this area. Amen? All right. One more thing about practicing prophecy that I want to draw a line in the sand and so we all understand. We want to be a community where you can learn your spiritual gifts. If we do not have a safe place to learn our spiritual gifts, this will be a place of performance. You cannot go zero to a hundred and all of a sudden learn how to prophesy. It's impossible. You may have favor in an area. You may be anointed in an area about prophecy. You may see into the spirit. You're going to fumble around your whole life with it. There's no way around it. We're not perfect. But if you have a safe place to iron out and shape your gift, you can serve people better. If you don't think that we should be a community that should be a safe place to practice prophecy. You don't understand the heart of the Father. See, when I'm teaching my children something, I'm not at, uh, I don't put them on the bike the first time without training wheels. You with me? Why? I'm their father. I don't want them to get hurt. When they're learning, when they're learning to ride their bike, there's training wheels and they're in the grass. And when they fall, I dust them off and I pick them back up because I'm a father. Sorry. I just, are you with me? Practicing healing, practicing prophecy, practicing the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. This, it's not kooky, hocus-pocus, and it's not performance-based. I'm going to mess up. You're going to mess up. It's about creating a safe environment for us to learn these things. Did you, did you I am, I, there will be people in this church that are going to give prophetic words that are not from God. They're going to make a mistake. They're called humans. 
but we will be a safe place for people to practice their prophetic gifting. God is invisible. Proverbs 25.2 says he hides information from us. Okay? I'm a human being who I'm trying to understand this invisible God who's hiding information from me. I have to hear what he's saying, transfer it to another human being who understands this chain of events that took place, and hopefully they understand what I just did. The room for error during prophecy is incredible. To just breathe. None of us are Elijah in the room. Okay? We're going to make mistakes prophetically. I just felt good to say. I want you to make your prophetic mistakes on me. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.